Welcome to the Recruiter Abroad Startup School podcast. My name's Dulta Doherty, and in this podcast series, I will be interviewing investors, advisors, and entrepreneurs from the agency recruitment world in how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment business. This week, I'm joined with Nikki Taylor. Nikki is a recruitment mentor. And if you don't know what that is, uh, basically, she helps guide young entrepreneurs who want to set up their own agency recruitment business but need a bit of help along the way. And she has a framework that where she puts it into practice with them into you know best ways to generate candidates, clients, templates, how to how to get a virtual assistant, um, you know, all the stuff that you need when you're thinking of going out on your own. She has a really great background and I was interested to bring her on because she's actually exited two recruitment businesses. So she's professionally trained in a large agency in New Zealand. She then set up her own, sold that business, moved to Australia, set up again with her husband, sold that business, and now mainly mentors women who want to set up their own recruitment business. I don't know if it's exclusively women, but all her clients so far are women, so maybe that's her USP. She is really knowledgeable, and she's been ahead of the game a couple of times when it comes to technology and outsourcing and working remotely. And and yes, she's just a good person to know. And if you're that person who maybe isn't too experienced and thinks they still have a bit to go before they can set up the recruitment business, but really wants to, then somebody like Nikki would be a good shout for you. Anyway, I will pass you over to the interview. Take care. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Nikki. I take it it's evening where you are. It is. It is about 7.30 in the evening. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Did you have a nice day? Yes, brilliant. Excellent. Back to back. Loved it. Love it. Okay. Uh, so welcome to the Recruiter Startup School. We're really happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. So I've given everybody a bit of a brief rundown into your background, um, mm-hmm. but and what you do but could you kind of give us the, your origin story how you got into our industry and uh, and how that led you doing what you're doing today fantastic i started in new zealand um started off working for a government funded agent or company or sorry government organization where they would be uh, for unemployed unemployed people um so i did about this is uh, so I've already had my children and I, I worked in the in a government sector working for the unemployed and um, lasted about a year. I moved away from that role to work for a recruitment company, my very first recruitment company. You know, open to tell, share the story. It was New Zealand dollars, about 42K. So to me, that was a lot of money then mm. um, with, a bon- with a fabulous bonus structure. Uh, so it was a nas- it was an international company. So it was it was fantastic training. They were really passionate about their training, and I was given the opportunity to learn the Tony Byrne way. So Who, Tony Byrne, who's he? Yeah. Tony Byrne was originally in Sydney, and we were he he isn't 
alive now, but um, and wasn't probably then. It was inherit people had inherited it, it created and implemented it into a training program for recruiters. Um, I have a feeling it goes far as far back as the eighties, and we so yeah. So for me, for me to learn his training was pretty amazing. So it was about two thousand and two. Um, so I'm a bit of an old legend now, um, but his training I have continued to use. But so I stayed in the corporate sector um, with Kelly's and just enjoyed the training, enjoyed working with you know top corporate clients. And um, we they supplied the clients more so there, and then we then I ended up running a more of a business development desk. Uh, moving over to that, I went left there and um, tried out a boutique agency. It 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 wasn't for me. I. I didn't probably stay there that long, probably two years at the national international company and about a year there, walked away from there and decided that I'd go out on my own. Um, what gave so you the confidence on, to do that? I wanted to do it my way and not their way. What was it about? Started, yeah, what was it yeah, about their way that you thought maybe, you know, maybe uh, I, I, I don't want to change. I don't want to do this bit. I'm going to do this instead. Like what are the specifics there? Yeah. Good, good question. Um, found that clients were, and, and I had a beautiful relationship, you know, fantastic relationships with clients, um, were struggling with the behavior of other recruiters. And, I, and, and I'm talking where I was in New Zealand, not here in Australia. Um, and candidates were spending a lot of time going, you know, I, I, I meet a recruiter, I go and I drive there, I'm there, at, you know, I've taken three hours off work to do the interview and hear nothing. And I can tell you now it hasn't changed. Um, and finding that going into an office for an interview um, and just, just the whole process. So, so what I did is when I set up my own is I went out and did a survey and contacted candidates and contacted clients while I was on a restraint of trade. Um, in New Zealand, we had a restraint of trade of three months so that I agreed to that agreement. Good way and, to keep uh, in touch with everybody as well. It was. I didn't. Do you know what? I I waited to the day after the restraint trade was up, and I was ready. So I was systemed, systemized, process ready to go. So I had a good three months to prepare, um, and knew that I wouldn't touch the clients. And so I just went out and got my own clients at that time. Um, so completely blank desk. What sector um, was that in? I was permanent in more corporate. So permanent corporate then so kind of a generalist uh, yes uh, yes definitely definitely generous but more more permanent not temping mm -hmm. uh and didn't take it down to the temping i didn't do i did temp desk in one of the national recruitment companies i did i did do a few um a few roles in there um and helped a lot of the temp agent uh, temp recruiters uh, love the temp desk and probably surprised myself that i haven't gone that way because i love the pace mm. Um, and was it just you? Just me for initially out on my own. Uh, I put in a PA and probably the best PA. I groomed a PA of an 18 year old and I groomed her to be the right arm for me. So she became the person that would meet and greet. She would do all my admin, every single bit of my admin. And she would also um, ensure that my diary was full. My diary was full every day with, with meetings with clients and meetings with candidates. So I created a model around really strong relationships. Um, and, you know, interesting enough today, it's now, what, say, let's just say 
11, 12 years ago, I've still been in touch with candidates that I placed that long ago in another country. <laughs> so it's, and it's hilarious when you hear people bring me and tell me that they're still in that role or they've moved on, but very grateful for that position. So I, I had a really strong candidate relationships as well as clients. So I made that a very, one of my mission statements was to equally, you know, even though your client's the one that's paying the bill or paying the check or the, or the amount, it was more about, you still got to look after both because your candidate will always become, can always become a hiring manager. And I think that's, you know, for me, it was, maybe that was from my training in, in the very first recruiter role. But so I looked after everybody. I looked after you. I did do a good 10 hour days um, or more. And this is before and, LinkedIn. No, yes. But I was, I've been on LinkedIn since 2009. So I'm, yeah, so that, so 2002 was my recruitment, my first, my three years. And then 2005, I went out on my own. Mm. Seven, nine, two, six, yeah. So when I when I sold I sold a recruitment sold that recruitment business. So how did, um, so so let's jump into yeah. that. How did you manage to sell that? What was the process there? Oh, it's an ugly one. Give, give us the highlights. Honestly, give us the highlights. Can I give you that? Yeah, I don't want to give you the bad side. Um, look, it, it set us free to come to Australia. That was the reason why we sold it. Um, it, it my advice to anyone that was selling a recruitment company to get a business broker. Okay. I would highly recommend use a business broker or a lawyer. Um, we we went with trust, and it it didn't go down. It didn't go well. Um, so that's yeah. I have to put put that park that because that was just another story, really. Okay. However, coming to Australia, um, when we arrived in Australia, which was two thousand and nine, we decided to set up a recruitment company from scratch, like. Similar brand, but all Australia owned. And um, this is you and your husband, and, right? Yeah, Richard and myself. So Richard joined 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 my boutique agency to help me with as we were starting to build it bigger and bigger um, before we sold it. Um, he came over. He wasn't he, your PA, he, no. No, no. And we ran we ran two separate desks. You know, we we literally ran our own clients, our own candidates, and worked insanely together. So I don't know if there's many couples out there that can work like we do, but we managed to do it. And and um, yeah, I, I set up really my well. business with my wife. It's, uh, ah, there yeah. you go. It's an intense. It's, it's an intense. Uh, it's an intense thing to do. Um, well, we've loved it. We've loved the whole journey. It's been um, to me personally. It's been amazing because we've always got someone to talk to about a job offer. We have good cop, bad cop. You know, I don't know if you guys know about the good cop, bad cop scenario, but. It, it, it worked for us when the client didn't pay. I didn't have to be the one that would ring him, Richard would. Um, we didn't have that often. But we, we were both really in line with the same systems and same processes. And, and because of what I'd set up way back. What, what were those systems simple. and processes? Like what, 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 uh, what does that look like? Day from... one, day one branding, you know, having your branding, you know, not not do your branding later, or or I'm just getting to getting my website done. Have everything up to the day that you're going to go live. Do that. Um, we've had VAs from day one, so so virtual assistance has always been something that we've always been able to uh, have have on board. We've always hired VAs, so VAs were able to get our website up and running within 24 hours. Let, let's jump into um, the VAs. What go? Where did you where do you find your VAs? Our VAs are in Philippines. How did you how did you manage to get them? 
good point. We then back then we engaged with a guy called Jovi, who was our very first VA. So we sourced him through Corpixels through a company. Um, Jovi worked for us for about two years and built our complete database for us on a weekly, daily, hourly scenario for us. When you say built um, built the database, how did yep. he how did he go about that? Good question. He we had a database set up. We used a Act Act for Cloud. This is this is back in two thousand and nine, and we arranged for him to source all all companies in Australia that run a real estate company because we were real estate specific. Yeah. And it was interesting how 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 simple that was to create with a six dollar an hour individual working it for you. So I wouldn't give any of that data away. That data was ours and that's what we sold and we sold our we sold that business um, last year. So that was the business that we sold with all that data and all the systems and all the processes. So so Going to, back to, to people yep. to people listening, it it probably sounds like oh a VA I have one or or I know somebody who's done that. But mm. I, mm. I, I have a few. Um, but I only kind of figured it out after the four hour working week and you know, and, and going through how, how he managed to, to do that. How, like, how, how, did you, how did you first hear about VAs back in 2009 and know that you could implement them? Like, that's way ahead of the game. It was because the girl, the girl that I had hired in New Zealand and when I sold the business and left, we rehired her. And back then, we were able to do um, a shared desktop. I don't know if you know of that. So, so from New Zealand to Australia... She could log into my database and all my systems mm-hmm. via New Zealand to Australia while I was sleeping. So she did night shift and I did day. So what I decided, because I, I couldn't let go of her. So what what I decided to do that, and we, we knew it was VAs, so we contacted the guy in the Philippines who ran the company and he sent us Jovi. Jovi stayed with us for a good two to three years, but then we decided to start up our own VA company so that we could build our own pool of people, is what, which is what we did. Oh. So, so behind the scenes, we were we were able to bring in some VAs and run and have our own VAs. They also source them for real estate companies or recruiters or whoever else wanted to have a VA. So yeah, we were a little bit ahead of the game, but we also were ahead of the game with interviews. We never did any interviews physically. All our interviews were done right back then. And from I don't know. For people in America, if they're listening, that's not a big deal. But in in Australia and New Zealand, uh, relationships are really uh, and face to face relationships are really trained as part of the process. Yeah. So it's yeah. a very regional approach to doing business. It, it, it's kind of like you know because it's a regional area. It, how how did you how did you manage to kind of do that at the time? Like what what? what, what I your... think it would be because we're in real estate. Real estate property because we were niching it and we specialize in just that. So we were, I believe, you know, whether you're in the UK or in the US or in New Zealand or Australia, if you are niching a brand and you are the, the specialist for that area or that state or that country, then, and I'm, look, I know there'll be multiple people in real estate property recruitment, but for us, it, it wasn't, there was no questions. Smaller town, more regional would say, you know, well, how can you recruit from, because you, you know Australia, so how can you recruit from Perth when you're living in 
in Queensland. How can you do that? So to me, it was about educating mm. and, and, and not having that discussion. Actually, it's not about, um, you know, how a client would say to you, well, look, can you come and see me at three o'clock tomorrow to come and pick up a job brief? I would explain to them it would be way, way more productive that I send you an email now and then we jump on a video call tomorrow at one o'clock. And, and, you're, and you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. The counter argument from a big agency is that, well, you'll, you'll just not build a relationship in the same way. And But you do. It, but you do. I, I, I believe that there's a phone. If you're continuing to phone call, text, I, I do a lot of phone call, text, email. Now it's more phone call, text, and Facebook Messenger or LinkedIn. So I've got those other, there's, there's multiple platforms, but I can keep in touch and build a relationship via text and messaging on a daily basis. Yeah. And probably be and probably have a better relationship than the person that went to visit the person for one one very brief visit. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I that's my my and, and I agree with you. Um, and I think more and more people are coming around to that way of thinking. But even when we started in what is it now? When we started in two thousand and fifteen, um, mm. and that's after I did four years in an agency. Uh, you know, we were we were a bit afraid to tell people that we were living in Guatemala at the time, and that you know we were recruiting uh, recruiters in the UK and send them to the US and send them to Australia. Yeah, and because yeah. clients would, would kind of wince a little bit at that. Um, yeah, because you, I think when you're in a big agency, they teach you that part of your value add in selling your services is that, that you know you meet everybody and you do that. How how yeah. did you manage to take away that from the the price conversation and percentage rates that that people would be like? Well, if you're not going to meet me, I'm, I'm, I I want to pay less because you know in Australia they're, they're no, famous for never... trying to lowball you on rates, right? Yeah. Well, in Australia, we were doing New Zealand recruit as well. So at the beginning, I I was running. So I was able to work in an insurance industry when I first started in in Australia for New Zealand and. Oh, yeah, actually, I already had the relationships with those companies. Stepping back into the zone of Australia, it was about it was about having that conversation. I I probably didn't give them the opportunity to play in the choice game because they would say, "Look, I'm available between eleven and three, and what I do is I use Zoom video call or Skype. Are you available?" Mm. And I, you know, even Canberra. Are you aware of Canberra? Canberra was a little bit. You know, they were a little bit like closed. Another state was Adelaide. They were they were semi closed. Yeah. But you just educate you, you just educate them because for me to jump on a plane and and do a day to visit one client, it really isn't cost effective. No, there's no ROI. And I have watched recruiters and I'm mentoring recruiters at the moment. I'm and, and we'll jump into that. Home based. Yeah, they're home based, but if I look at their that I've I've got them grooming in that same format. If they were to go and visit clients for, just say, just say, because I've got a, a startup that I'm working with at the moment. So if, so she's in a second, a third month, coming to a third month. If she was going to do client visits every day, how would she be able to do her billings? <laughs> so she's able to be able to bill effectively now without. And making things happen without having to keep going out there. And admittedly, she is meeting a couple of clients, but she's not spending her whole day out on the road. She's in the office. 
Yeah. And I think for me, I spend, I've met a client just recently in my new, the new model we've just created and implemented. And, and yes, it was gold, but I've only met him once. I don't need to go and see him again. I don't need to go and stroke him. I've been on call and, and email with him every single day. And the appreciation I've had from him is so, so I still think it's communication. And delivery. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not about the touch and feel in real estate in that industry, and I'm not sure in like education or all the other industries, but in real estate, they don't want to see you. <laughs> Trust. So, so Nikki, we've kind of we've kind of established that you've you've implemented really groundbreaking things before other people were doing it. You, you brought in VAs. You were doing a lot of re- remote recruitment, and how? Walk us through the exit of the company that you set up in Australia, if you can, briefly, because you, you must have learned some lessons from the first one. Oh, yeah, I have. And I will be really honest. Our last exit that we did, um, I I had to get Richard. Richard decided, we both jointly decided that he would do the training. So they were interstate. So they were in another state. And... Um, yeah, for me personally, it was a struggle because they weren't online savvy people. They were more paper, and we're paperless. So we run a we've run our two recruitment companies um, in Australia. Uh, no, sorry, our recruitment company in Australia we've run solely paperless. So for us to step into a zone where someone was bought the business, they wanted to see our brochures and they wanted to see everything you know that wasn't online. Richard needed to go down there and, and do the training one-on-one with them to show them and do the handover. So it was a really simple handover for us because of the systems and processes that we already had in place. And I'm talking everything on in the cloud um, and, a, and a really smart um, – we had Salesforce then, so it was when we sold last year. So it was a really smart database that we had, you know, designed to work for us. Um, so no, it was good. It was really good. It was a good. It was a good exit for me. It was a transition because I, I do take them on like a baby. Um, <laughs> so I had to, I had to sit tight while Richard was doing the training and, and um, you know, bite bite my tongue on it all. Um, I guess for me personally, you know, we took a few months before we decided what we were going to be doing, and we got into mentoring, um, and that was that was sort of like. It came because of all the experience we'd had, and um, we did get to the point we had people in the UK were contacting us and asking us a few questions, and we we're in contact with quite a few from the UK. So it's been really nice to be able to share, you know, share with them as well, you know, what works and what doesn't work. So let's um, let's jump into the mentor. Let's jump into the mentoring. Yep. Um, I think I think a lot of a lot of recruiters can kind of turn their nose up to the word mentor and you know people a lot of recruiters think they know it all so it must be a tough market to crack um how, how did you initially go about that it was organic it was organic because people were contacting me to ask me uh they'd known that i'd sold and would i be able to help them with a question or it, it looked through linkedin or through facebook it became just just organic and i'll be really honest it was definitely organic mm. um it, we were doing mentoring career. Richard and I both do career changing mentoring as well. And I do uh, solo entrepreneurs uh, mentoring myself. 
and um, and that's also non-recruitment. Um, but what had happened is that people were asking us, so we, we built a platform very quickly and determined what where we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. And as I've grown with working with other solo female recruiters, it happens to be, um, that I'm working closely with, and that they are solo business, but they're just starting to grow their businesses now with uh, both girls have got that I'm talking about in particular have got three, uh, two staff as well as themselves already. So came to me on a one-on-one and, and one of her, I've done a complete startup for her, fortunate for her because it's, she's gone straight into property and um, it's been, it's been fantastic for her and for me to be able to, to be able to share the knowledge. So um, uh, walk me yeah. through what it looks like from one of these. So, so they reach yeah. out to you you get into conversation how does it how do you decide like what's their life cycle like over a six-month period of working with you like what what are the different steps that it's still early it's still early I would say I'm probably just reached six months with one now in Sydney um to be honest um it's I'm working with girls that have not been in recruitment before so we're going right back to the basics. I'm taking them through the 30 steps of recruitment, um, getting them set up on their templates. So this is complete startup. Um, and, and I'm really, look, either way, I'll go either way with an experienced four-year recruiter to startup. But the startups have been, been really powerful because I'm able to watch them billing in their first month. Now that's their doings as well, not just mine. That's just me being a mentor. I'm not. I'm not coaching them. I'm mentoring them. So What's they the are able. To, I, I believe it. I believe my personal opinion. I believe a coach is someone that will either pull out a textbook style coaching, mm. and have done their coaching degrees and courses. Mine's coming from hardcore experience from mistakes. You'll often hear me in my mentoring calls. This is what I had done. And this is how I would consider doing this now. So there are things that there's a lot of stuff coming up in the in the session. We do one on one for an hour, uh, one one a week. However, they can email me and text me and phone me at any. I let them call me at any time. We keep that to you know there is a there is a minimum to that. However, it has been valuable. So we've had girls calling me when they're right in the middle of a job offer and it's not going well and we'll talk through the offer. So these are people that haven't had that someone, other person to be able, and it's only because Richard and I have always had each other. Um, we've always had business mentors right through our whole career, in our, in our recruitment career. This is different. I'm not a business, I'm not their business mentor, I'm their recruitment mentor. So I'm able to guide them through I'm the person that can come and ask or ring me or call me on anything that isn't working right now or needs adjusting or needs some support. And I'm finding that the girls are just, yeah, I have to say, I say girls at the moment. Um, however, I just feel that it's the support that they've needed that they have never, never been able to get. Mm. Uh, and I'm, yeah, yeah. So, so our industry is bombarded full of uh, male uh, experts in this area. You're the only female, I've, uh, yeah. In the in the agency recruitment world, um, there there's so many so many advisors that are men. Um, you're probably one of the only women I've come across on that. What? Why? Why are there so little women doing doing this? 
In recruitment or in mentoring? In mentoring agency recruitment. Oh, interesting. Um, I hadn't thought of myself being the only woman. I, I guess maybe I'm just, I've come from all my experience. Look, I don't, I really, I can't sort of see any reason why. Um, I, in Australia, we've got more, I, I, oh, we've got more women recruiters, I believe. Um, I haven't done my stats on that and I should check that out. But in, in the, for the male advisors, it's a really good, I'd love to know why. Mm. What do your thoughts? I think from being a rack to rack and viewing people at different stages of the careers, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of women go internal at a certain stage, either before children or, or maybe during that process. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I see a lot more men staying in agency after 35. Um, but that and not uh, that is uh, well some women do but they generally tend to be in high level management positions and uh, that's just my experience from interviewing these people over over the last three and a half years right i would say maybe for my 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 reasons maybe that i've had my kids and then got into recruitment yeah yeah and and now i have nothing you know remember kids have moved away so i'm i'm now and richard and i were kid free we'll call it kid free empty nesters they call it i was i yeah well we were uh, very early so we were able to skip the country very quickly by saying to them at the age they all were you know you guys wanting to come over or not so we left home we're the ones that left home but we were we were different we we were the we were the couple that were a little bit different to the the other couples that stay in this the one house and for 45 years it's not us yeah so we so in our recruitment world of, of the last 10 years we've traveled around the country we've been to bali we've like you were saying before we, are, we were able to work from bali you know and and still recruit and we we didn't go to bali for holidays we went to bali because it was a nicer location to work we, so, we did that as well we set up our resume writing business uh from uh, from thailand and uh traveled southeast asia moved to central america went back into agency recruitment, then jumped, then jumped, uh, then jumped out to do our own business in Guatemala. And we did that for six months mm-hmm. before getting a few invoices paid and moving back to the UK. That's, that's fantastic. And, and really, did you use um, like video calling and Skype, uh, Zoom? And some, you... some of that, most of it was just on the phone though. Um, yeah. RecDirect's pretty simple in, in terms of like yeah. identifying like what people want and who's suitable for the move. And if yep. you're only doing the international stuff that we're doing, you're really only dealing with the top 10 percentile in terms of billings in the, in the room. That's it. So you just kind of work backwards a lot on that. And then they're, yeah. they're hard to find. And, you know, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have gambled on myself doing something a bit further up the food chain, like in terms yep. of like executive IT or something like that. But then, maybe I wouldn't have had the initial runway that we had given Charlotte was an internal recruiter at an agency at the time. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like what you, you like, a, I, I don't know. I didn't know then what I know now, but, and, oh, and, and Hey, I, I didn't reach out to any mentors or business advisors or coaches, which probably could have pointed me in a better direction back then. I had to kind of learn it all the hard way. 
Yeah, I, I, I personally, I had a lot of mentors, but none of them knew recruitment, and I found that very challenging for me personally, because I, what I knew they didn't know, and I found it really hard to have that conversation with them. You know, one of my girls, the ones I do work with in Sydney, you know, she's been maybe eighteen months, so we're speaking the same language constantly. Mm. So and it's a, it's so for the guy and I had male always had male mentors um, for for Richard and I we would meet them once a week and then we would outgrow them and that's okay I always tell people it's okay to outgrow your mentor um, but I yeah I would have loved to have had you know a, your job's a, a, kind like of done if, you, if if if, you're, oh. if your people like grow your own yeah but we did have Roy Ripper in the UK. So we, 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 we were on one of his um, series where you would be connected up with a whole lot of recruiters through the UK as well in the US. So that was, that was really advantageous to us because it gave us a good opening of what else was happening out in the market as well as us working in an international market as well. So I really enjoyed that. How does your, really how does your uh, service differ from his? Because uh, I've seen that he, he does growth marketing or something for... Does a lot of I don't know now. Um, I I'm pretty sure a lot of his is online, but I, but then I won't. I don't want to say because look, That's fine. he I know that he does go and say see clients. Um, he's still he's still very active, so we're seeing a lot of activity um, with what Roy does. There's another guy, Mike, in the UK. A lot of his online material was absolute gold. Mm. Mike Wormsley. Did you know that name? Or? No, no. Well, and you know I, I I feel like I've been so cocooned in my little world that this podcast is kind of giving me access to speaking. We to need people. to get you out. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get out there and, uh, and learn a little bit more. And, uh, and that's, mm. that's, that's why we're doing this. Um, mm. So, okay. Uh, last question. Um, I suppose it's just how, how can people, re- who should reach out to you and how can they find you? And right. yeah, what does that look like for people? Um, I'm easily accessible via LinkedIn. Facebook and um, email and uh, text, phone. I look honestly, and I'm not a I'm not an eight to five girl. So, and and I guess that's another thing of you know when we work for ourselves, you don't need to be an eight to five. Mm. You know, you can be accessible. I do my interviews on a Sunday night. Often you'll see me four o'clock to six o'clock. And Richard, we're both candidate interviewing um, because it's. Because we just do. That's just just what we do. So it's easy for those people that can't make those meetings that they can meet us on a Zoom call on a Sunday night. So we're very accessible, um, and that's via LinkedIn or Facebook. LinkedIn or Facebook or Messenger or email, uh, either. And if anyone's got any questions, I'm more than happy just to help out with a, you know a couple of quick tip questions or if there's anything that they need some advice on. Startups are uh, startups and up to. I'm talking to a girl in the US who's about four years in the industry and has trained. I haven't, I'm not secured her at the stage, but we had a chat the other day and, you know, listening to her story was that she has trained herself in recruitment and nobody has shown her a system or a process. Yeah. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. Well, the American market's wide open for that. You know, it's a, it's full of, mm. it's full of one man band, one man band mm. uh, recruiters. I think uh, you'll find in Australia and, and in the UK, it's much more dominated by large corporates where. You know, it is. But we survive. But we have survived. Yeah. You know, we survived ten, nearly ten years with our specialist recruitment company that was Australia wide, and um, and we survived that. You know, amongst the bigger guys, 
and it you know I was believed it wasn't about the size right. it was about delivering it was about delivering and and honesty and integrity and all and all the and adding value to the adding value to your clients is critical you know if you if I do a lot of LinkedIn um you know articles and tips and tools and just keeping adding value yeah great well we'll share some of those and uh mm. we'll get, get this out to our network thank you so much thank you pleasure uh, really, thank you so much i really appreciate your okay. really appreciate your time cheers love it bye. thank you bye